3: This is not a drill. I repeat, this is not a drill. Turn your laptops and earphones down just a little bit for what you are about to receive.
2: Champion, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, my God! Look at her! Look at her!
1: Oh, my God! Get up, Coco. God, you just won the US Open.
3: That what I'm talking about and here is one of the or the protagonist but he's going to get a little helping hand too. Welcome to Miles tuned into David Tennis and Nick Carter. (laughs) I mean is there a question about my surname?
0: Hello there everyone. Welcome to WTA Weekly and I am very pleased to be joined by the clearly still riding the high miles david how are you feeling about seeing that and before you say anything about that video you have yourself to blame you put that on social media
2: yes i did um i'm feeling good thanks to be back on talking tennis nick it's always fun to talk to you and shout out to john for uh putting together that footage and um making making me making a fool of myself. Uh, making making it less cringy because that was pretty cringe and it's always a level of cringe to watch that back even though it was posted like 48 hours ago. Um I feel I feel great. I literally backstory to that moment I was um watching with my community that always uh joins me in Twitter spaces and whatnot um live during the final and um obviously as a Cocoa Golf fan I was hoping that she would lift the title but I'm one of those people that prepares for the worst and kind of prays for the best. So it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a bad day if Sabalank had lifted the U S open trophy and then left as world number one. Cause I feel like that's fitting for the season she's had. But I told myself if Coco gets to a, uh, five, uh, like if she gets within a game, basically of winning the title, I was going to just post my phone or put my phone on my tripod and, uh, Press record during that final game. And yeah, that's that's how that came to be. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're saying that you, you know, you were, so you would be okay with Sabalenka winning. But I suppose given Goth got as cl- close as she did, um, there, I could tell there was a lot of relief coming out. I mean, as well, you've been a supporter of Coco from day one, right? Since she beat Venus
2: at Wimbledon. I was looking at my Instagram stories and I don't know if I just said like posted this on my uh my stories in passing but I was really inspired by uh her win over Venus Williams like even though I wasn't happy that Venus went out first round at Wimbledon the imagery of her like jumping up and down and being only 15 years old I remember I remember that connecting with me back in 2019 so yeah I've 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 been I've been uh watching ever since so yeah
0: yeah. I, I remember that, that match, uh, happening. I remember talking with a work colleague who doesn't usually watch tennis, but was very, it was before the match even happened. It was very, very, very excited about the prospect of Venus Williams playing a 15 year old, um, African American, um, uh, just be, because they f- share a similar heritage. So, mm-hmm. um, and I remember talking to, to her about it and her being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go watch that. What time is it on? I was like, well, it's tennis. So we don't 100% know. But we'll uh, <laughs> just, uh, or how long is it going to last? It's, again, it's tennis. We don't 100% right. know. Um, but yeah, and she's clearly captured the imagination. So it's very hard to say that a star is born because she was born on that, it, that star was birthed on that day at Wimbledon. Um, but it's, it's expanded, it's grown, and uh, maybe you could say that um, the forging process is now complete. She is a Grand Slam champion.
2: That's what it feels like. I mean, as somebody that has watched a ton of her matches, especially her Grand Slam matches, I specifically remember the opening round losses to uh, Sevastova at the 2020 u.s open that was a that was i wouldn't say it was a low moment but it wasn't great and then also which i think was kind of a low moment the 2022 which doesn't which feels a long time away from now but doesn't in some ways um she lost to wang chiang first round and i was expecting her to go pretty far in that tournament so that to, like go through those kind of low moments in slams where at that point people had eyes on her to now looking at people have eyes on her for all of the good reasons and to see how, um, how she marched through this draw and had to kind of come back from um, behind in the final. It just feels good. It feels good. And it feel- I kind of give myself on the pat on the back because I mean, I, I, saw, I saw the story before the story actually unveiled and that doesn't always happen in tennis because there's been a couple of WTA faves I've had where I was like, oh yeah, it's going to happen for him. It's going to happen for him. And then it doesn't. And I'm kind of left like, oh, I wish it would have. But this, this moment, felt good i think that's what you saw in the video just a genuine like oh she's like she's she's finally arrived so yeah that, that all came out and i didn't know a lot of so i'll end on this i didn't know i know that my voice fluctuates <laughs> mm-hmm. I just did not know that I could hold that octave in that moment for so long. One of my friends was like, you went know, from a soprano to a baritone in about 60 seconds. So
0: yeah. I I know. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking something similar. I didn't realize that Marv's voice had that range. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was why you first... Reaction, I like, myself. <laughs> I, it was my reaction when I first saw that video on Instagram uh, when I was scrolling through after the match. <laughs> and uh oh, mask. okay headphones um <laughs> so let's talk about uh, a little bit we've obviously talked a lot about sort of what this potentially means for Goff's stature we might talk a little bit more about her future going forward but uh obviously i did i commented that final with tom um so a lot of people probably know my thoughts on that final um uh, because a lot of our regular viewers would have seen that commentary um what did you think of that performance from Coco Gauff in the final?
2: I really enjoyed it. I thought that both of them came out nervous, Sabalenka and Coco. But Coco's ability to adjust to what Sabalenka was bringing to the table was magnificent to watch in real time. And she used a combination of, I feel like, what she's been kind of learning with her new partnership with Brad Gilbert and then also uh, para Ariba is that she has the legs. She has the athleticism to hang with everybody. And um, although the forehand isn't technically the most sound, she has the athleticism to make up for that tenfold. And to see her use all of those things, put air under her forehand, track down every single one of Sabalenka's shots and just make it difficult for her and kind of tire her out. That was great. Um, and And that's kind of what I love about that matchup it isn't always the prettiest tennis. Like in between some of the amazing points, you get some clunkers, right? Because Sabalenka and her big babe tennis—the way she just kind of throws everything into the ball—it kind of is a hit or miss. And mostly this season, it's been it's been hit, right? It's not been too many misses. But the points that they're able to create with the power and the athleticism is honestly wild. Watch tennis. So yeah, I I really enjoyed that match and the performance from Coco.
0: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things here. You know, how do you deal with uh, power tennis answer absorb it and either th- until you're able to throw it back or until they miss and um, that's what it works. I I remember when we were trying to look up the Goff Sabalenka head to head. I think it was a few days before the final and the WTA website crashed, so it said that they'd never played. It's like, well, that's not true. They've definitely played before. I'm sure Coco has a winning head to head, and uh, I think there were people who were surprised that Coco has the winning head to head after today's match. I don't think they should be. Because she, after that first set, which granted Sabalenka came out the blocks firing, mm-hmm. um, Coco adjusted, dealt with it, figured it out, um, and sort of put herself, used her strength to keep her in the match so that she could fire herself up and get her forehand going. Um, and her forehand, from the start of the match compared to the end of the match, was almost completely different mm-hmm. Uh and it was, it was a a sign of how she, she grew into it. Um, I, and I think, although the stats might suggest that. Sapolenka had a bad deck, the match, anyone who actually at the office, anyone who actually watched the match would say that Coco Goff won it. She was the one who turned it around.
2: Yeah, I would agree. There wasn't some huge, huge dip that Sapolenka had in the second or third sets. It was just kind of Coco staying the course. And I, remember i think they they played a match in ostrava i know they played a match for sure in canada last year and there may be some other matches that that don't come to mind but a lot of them have been three sets and they've been scrappy performances by coco to either uh grit out the win or come really really close and i enjoy what a future rivalry between those two would look like i think sabalenka uh noted it in her uh runners-up speaks that hopefully they can play more finals and maybe sort of a couple go her way or with a different result. So I, I enjoy the way their games match up against each other. It's, it's just it's classic women's tennis, you know, mm. attack attack versus defense, but not squarely defense. And I think Coco, as she gets older and stronger and all that stuff, um, I don't think we'll ever see her have the kind of point-ending, point-ending just... Uh, pedal to the metal kind of power that Sabalenka has, but in her she has her she has the pace to deal with that kind of power and other attributes to kind of uh, make it go in her way. So I enjoy. I, it. I
0: was wondering where you got going to go with that because uh, she <laughs> definitely has some point ending shots. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. as as big as Sabalenka. If you're talking that, I mean, uh, I think that pass that backhand passing shot winner t- was the was the turning point in that match. And I remember that was the first, like, hot shot of the match. And I was just, I had, I was just, like, screaming at that point. Like, whoa, (laughs) what a moment. Second, I I don't know whether I think that was probably the shot of the match in terms of its significance, although Sabalenka's lob after a lob was pretty close.
2: (laughs) The backhand to end the entire match was kind of a culmination and a symbol of the entire match in a way. Uh, just tracking everything down and putting Sabalink in uncomfortable positions. So, yeah, there were a bunch of a bunch of moments where the backhand made Coco the champion that she now officially is, you know, so and up to three in the rankings, She's literally the highest ranked uh, American tennis player, male or female right now. And I, that that was I'm not saying she was just light years away from it two months ago, but it didn't feel like that was about to be the on the uh, on the verge of happening. Here we are. If that so, so. was not
0: the narrative, even post-Wimbledon, at nope. all. Um, nope. <laughs> it was, where's Coco going to go? What's this development? What's her development going to look like? We we're expecting it to be a slow process, not, oh, she's just barned, stormed her, stormed her way to the Washington title. Oh, she's just beaten the English Fionn'ta and one Cincinnati. Oh, and she's just won the US Open. Mm-hmm. Um, although the US Open was less of a surprise because by that point, I mean, you know, I was rating her fourth most likely to win it ahead of the tournament, and that was not by much. Um, in terms of comparable to the top three, uh, she she definitely at the beginning of the tournament felt like she had the uh, everything you would expect from a, a U.S. Open era, winner in the current era in terms of being a young up and coming star ready to break out, um, or at least ready to get a first major title. Because as we said, she'd already kind of broken out almost straight away, a bit like Andreva has. Um,
2: so. Yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that point, but... Well, I, I was going to say, like, this is this kind of to your point, a lot of people, it, even me, I didn't necessarily see the US Open uh, championship or trophy lift happening, even in the tournament, because if you think about her run toward that final, we dropped sets to Laura Sigmund, Caroline Wozniacki, and who else did we drop a set to? Yeah. Oh, Elisa Mertens. All of, those, all of those matches had tenuous moments. They weren't the most dramatic moments. It wasn't like she had to save match points, per se. But there definitely were scrappy moments where she wasn't playing her best and her opponent was getting the best of her. And I figured, especially after that Wozniacki match, how many times can this happen and she'd actually be able to forge her path and get, get on top of her opponent and win. So, so to see her do it again... Against Sabalenka, the world number one now, is a testament to her fighting spirit and all the things that they've been working on in the past two months to get to this moment. But I, I even me as a, as a fan, I didn't actually imagine Coco lifting the trophy. Like, And, and to your point about, about it being gradual, I think, I thought a 500 in D.C., a 1,000 in Cincinnati, and maybe like another quarterfinal or a semi at the U.S. Open was perfectly would, would perfectly fit into the narrative of Coco maturing. Um, but we got even more than that. Yeah. So I mean, she, I'm happy about it. <laughs> she started carrying
0: herself like a champion Uh even before. Yeah. I think I said something to you before. Uh, yeah. And let's face it. I don't think anyone can say in years to come, even if, you know, for, forbid this, but um this is her only slam. You can't say she fluked it. That was as tough a run as they come. She beat three grand slam champions. She overcame... Um, you know, just beat Nika fiontech She beat Elite Mertens, who we know is tough to beat in a third round of a grand slam. Um, or was it the second round? I can't remember which one it is. It was it's third. The, it was third, third. Yeah. Um, and arena Sabalenka, who was, who probably had the best season. Yeah. Year. Yeah. She had the best season of her career. Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably if anyone else, I think it's, it's arena or, um, I think arena has been the story of the year far more than any other player. Um, Let's see how the rest of the season goes, uh, but I think it's going to be hard for anyone to kind of top what Sabalenka has achieved. Um, so, yeah, I think Goff Goff, has got, Goff is going to be this is going to be one of those title runs that everyone's going to keep talking about, and everyone's going to say, "I was there for that." Do you know, when I was there? remember when I was there for that? Go, go Goff winning the U.S.
2: Open the first time. <laughs> I wish I was there uh, this year. It didn't work out, but uh, the YouTube social. Uh, team, uh, not YouTube, the US Open social team uh, is putting out full matches basically before I can even contemplate or wrap my head around the match that actually just ended. So we'll have content out there for years and years and people can, can watch it even if they didn't watch it in real time. So I think that's a great thing for tennis, Coco Golf and uh, the US Open as a whole. Oh yeah, the US Open are brilliant for
0: that. I mean, I have just discovered the Svantec Sabalenka semifinal from last year, which I've never actually seen. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it. It's um, a good which, match. Tense. Tense match. It's, a, it's a, Exactly. I was, I was like, I know it was one of the matches of the year. And I was like, I need to go watch this because, uh, well, what self-respecting fan wouldn't do that? Um, <laughs> but, it, le- and um, I did that with Emma Raducanu's run 2021. I went back and reviewed every match because I was writing a piece about it for Popcorn. Um, let's talk about Sabalenka because we've mentioned her a few times. Um, where does she where does she go from here I don't she's obviously disappointed the match didn't work out I don't think she can be too hard on herself after that result uh but I know she was probably expected to win especially the way she turned it around against uh Madison Keys and seemed to set herself on the path um yeah where where do you see sort of Sabalenka going from here
2: well, she's already at number one, so she really can't go any further than that. <laughs> she's lived she in the number one. It for two years. <laughs> Three
0: years. Never drop it.
2: <laughs> I don't know if she'll be like an unwavering number one for 40, 50 weeks, like Swiatek was, but her name is officially in the history books in that regard. And I don't see why she can't go. Um, back to the semifinals are better at every single major because I mean that's what her record is now. Um, a, a champion at Australia, semifinalist in Roland Garros, semifinalist at Wimbledon, probably should have been in the in the final of Roland Garros actually, and a finalist at the U.S. Open. So if she ever feels at a moment where she is like having a rough patch, which I feel like is going to happen with the way that she plays tennis, the, the, the person that she is, I don't think it's going to be like from here until twenty twenty nine that she uh, lifts and gets to the final of, of everything. I feel like there's still going to be some ebbs and flows to her career, but, she should always be able to know that when I put it all together, I can beat the best in the world. And it's going to take a a really, really stellar performance for someone to beat me if I'm playing well. And I feel like that's the kind of confidence that you can take from a season like this, especially a grand slam season like this. So I don't, I don't see much stopping her except maybe possibly herself. Yeah.
0: And let's face it a lot of the time, the only
2: people who can stop these players are usually
0: uh, themselves. And I completely agree. I think there's, very few players who can stop Sabalenka when she's having a good run. They have to put in a great performance, as we saw Mukova, Jabur, and Goff do in the slams. I think you'd be a very brave person at the minute to not predict Sabalenka to not make at least the semifinals at most tournaments she plays.
2: Which is good, because it, it wasn't that long ago. It was only 2021 where Sabalenka had a a very noticeable grand slam issue performance wise and a WTA tour issue, like winning WTA tour titles since 2018 has kind of been like commonplace for her, but it was the grand slam that she constantly was getting tripped up in the third or fourth, or even before that, uh, the earlier rounds. And now from 2021 to here, she's basically made the second week or better at every single slam that she showed up to. So now she can merge all of that. She has a, a body of work to say, Hey, I'm good enough to perform at the WTA tour level, 500s, 1,000s and the grand slam level. So every week that I show up, if I'm healthy, I have a a, a, a legitimate shot to lift the trophy. And I think that's huge for her, huge for her and women's tennis and fans of women's tennis.
0: I wanted to, I don't want to dwell too long on this because I don't, I think I prefer to focus on on court stuff, but what was your thoughts on that footage that emerged of her smashing her racket didn't
2: bother me <laughs> like I didn't th- there are very f- I shouldn't say very few but the ratio of me getting like offended by what tennis players say isn't that compared to like what everyone else fe- seems to react to on Twitter and stuff I wasn't one of those people that just felt like it was uh terrible I didn't think that made her any uh difference in my mind as far as her being a uh in a leadership role I, I it looked like it looked like a competitor that was upset at their performance and waited until she thought she until she thought she had more uh, intimate time to kind of let out that frustration. But someone also released a wider shot of that moment, and it looks like there were there were Netflix or some other streaming service or what have you, uh, a microphone and a court, uh, a microphone and a camera not that far off in the distance. And when I looked at it from that angle in the perspective of seeing the camera and her probably seeing that in her peripheral too and knowing that she was in the most recent uh drop of breakpoint on netflix it seemed like they probably planted a seed and was like hey this would be nice for our storyline or story arc of you in your 2023 uh, three sleep season almost there but not quite how does she deal with the frustration she takes out on her racket. So it felt genuine knowing who Sabalenka is outside of the cameras or just how she naturally is. But then like seeing the cameras in that moment, I I wouldn't be surprised if she, she quote unquote milked it or staged it a little bit. I wouldn't be too surprised by that. No, I, I yeah. And that's
0: one of those things you always question when you see these Netflix things. Uh, I think my, my thoughts have nothing to do with her. We've seen players do it on court. There's no reason to judge a player for do it. Doing it off court is honestly probably a better place. Um I my initial reaction was the same of I didn't feel comfortable with the fact that this footage come out. Um, because I would have preferred her to deal with things in her way, um, process things herself. But then obviously that wider shot came out. I was like, Oh, okay, never mind. It's fine. <laughs>
2: And I, like Ghosty saying in the chat, there's no such thing as a bad racket smash. I agree to a certain extent. If you are just literally you and your arm and your shoulder are the main culprits of that racket smash, you really aren't hurting anybody when it gets to the point of you like throwing your racket into open distance or uh, hitting it against something. And like the this, this stuff kind of I think that happened in a Novak Djokovic match in the Olympics where he just hit it against the side pole of the of the uh, of the, uh Tennis, what is the thing in the middle? What is it called? The, <laughs> the, the, the net, the net, the, the net. There we go. I don't know why net could not come to my mind. But you was watching see... tennis nut miles? <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't come to my mind. It's been a long <laughs> week, okay? Um, but sometimes you can like see different particles of like rackets and stuff like that, the graphite metal, whatever. And I can see how that would like get, you know, could potentially harm somebody, but in general, I'm not offended by racket smashes, especially if it's just you taking out frustration on your weapon of choice and the ground it usually doesn't result in anything terrible it's just uh some people are super offended by that uh, for whatever reason i think people are still uh some people not everybody some people are really caught up into the uh the etiquette and the gentleman gentlewoman kind of aesthetic of tennis and i think it's fine time that we Uh, move forward past that because i think there's a there's there's a happy medium like these are still world-class athletes competing for millions literally literally millions of dollars on the line i can't be mad at them if they choose to take out their frustration on literally the weapon of choice in their hands totally different scenario if they put somebody else in harm's way you know so step into the world of power loyalty
1: Exactly.
0: Um, There you go. This is a nice helpful reminder for you, Miles, going forward. (laughs) Um, All right. I I think, yeah, I don't think there's a lot else to say about Sabalenka. I don't think this changes uh, the narrative of her season at all. What do you want to say?
2: I have a, this this was, I just put this on Twitter because it was coming to my mind. And this is going to like lead us into other people to talk about. But I cannot remember the last time, now that Sabalenka is world number one and I looked at the rankings, I can't remember the last time we had a top four in the WTA where everyone in that top four had a grand slam championship performance oh. and a title to their name in the, in the last, everybody in that top four, Sabalenka, Swiatek, Coco and Robotkin have all won a slam in the past 12 or 16 months. That's the really only per- yeah, I can, I can, I'm thinking maybe 2002 when it was, or 2001 when it was Serena, Venus, Hingis slash Davenport and Capriati if they were all in the top four in the early 2000s then they would have touched the grand slam in the past 12 months or so but other than that I can't I can't think of when that happened
0: I I'm I'd have to look it up specifically I feel like 2012-13 might be a window um uh, because your top four um your top three definitely um, because you yes, had yes, Serena yes. Shalva, Sharapova Serena, Serena and Azarenka yeah 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 um The question is whether Lee Na or Petra Kvitova ever hit four during that period. Because I think Ravonska was in the mix as well, which complicates things.
2: For Lee Na, it would have had to have been in 2011-12 or 14-15. But didn't she retire at the end of the 2014 season? I think she did. Yeah. So there were were some short windows. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. You're talking about recent
0: when it's yeah. like a career went okay that makes sense yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. like career is one thing but if they've all literally touched grand slam glory in the in that season that they're currently ranked for or in just the last season prior i think that says hugely about i think that that speaks to like how the ranking system can work when everyone's playing well and, and, and everybody's healthy and two just how good the WTA is trending right now and I feel like a lot of pl- a lot of people need to take heed to that and kind of walk back some of their statements about the women being you know not as entertaining or completely unpredictable which there's still layers to that um, but uh, the top four all having slams in the past 16 months is a great great thing
0: and actually I mean they're probably going to stay the top four unless something crazy happens over the next few weeks at the two 1000s coming up and the WTA finals Mm-hmm. um you would i mean look this is very much reactive but you wouldn't you you find it hard to think that the next slam champion isn't going to be one of those four um if you say like the winner of the Australian, that those four are going to be the favorites of pretty much um throughout the four slams in 2024 um
2: <laughs> yes uh, they'll be the favorites They'll be the favorites, but I still have like this one one little dancing troll on my shoulder that reminds me that it's WTA and there's always someone lurking. There's always Women, someone lurking.
0: Yeah, there's always someone working. Like if I, there, there will be someone around. Like Asaka's coming back. Yes.
2: And, yes, 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 yes. Which yes,
0: yes. she, if she's feeling good, watch out. Karin Mukaber, mm-hmm. I think, is on the fringe of something special. I, I just feel she's she's almost as consistent as Pagula at the minute, and. I don't know where her ceiling is relevant to Pagula, relative to Pagula, but I feel like she could pull something off. She's definitely shown capability of beating all four of these players. Um do we want to talk about Pagula in the US Open while we're here? Um, I mean we could talk about both of them, to be honest. <laughs> I think let's let's go <laughs> yeah. semi-finals backwards. Um okay. so we've just said Mukova. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just highlights it like a second Grand Slam semi-final, adding on to a Cincinnati final, top six in the
2: world she's finally coming good on all the hype. Yeah, she's coming good on the hype and then managing her body because literally even in this season, she's had moments where she she said into the mic, my body said, ouch, like she said in the Cincinnati final, which I thought was funny. It'll probably stay with me for a while. But I'm, I'm interested to see how she takes this and maybe collects trophies on top of it because i think that is a difference like knowing that you've had a consistent season and knowing that you've been a champion in a season are close but they're still very different and if she can get her hands on a wta 500 or 1000 maybe even at the end of this season i think i think she goes into 2024 as long as she can remain healthy a a threat at one of the majors because you don't have the kind of success that she's had now at every single slam um and not feel like you can do it again or feel like it's uh too far out of your reach because she's made the semis of Australia final of us, uh, final at Roland Garros this year, quarters two times at Wimbledon and now a semi in Australia. Those are, those are kind of results that a lot of WTA women would, are, you know, praying for. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I think though it's all about health. And I, I was, I was looking at her run through the USA, but apart from the wobble she had against Wong, Mm-hmm. She, um, yeah. she she looked really good like that was a con- that was the first time i'd seen her not scrap her way through a draw to get to a semi-final and uh she looked like a top player um and you know she she was right there with goff she took advantage of goff getting a little bit nervous in that semi-final um i see no reason to think that she's not going to be a contender provided her body stays healthy
2: she should definitely keep rocking that uh that sleeve that we see in this picture that's mm-hmm. that that's her look if i think that i think it one is aesthetically pleasing to me <laughs> and two i think it helps her 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 body i think i don't i don't mind a player that kind of walks on the court with uh, preventative stuff especially if the preventative stuff looks cool so and mukova has um for lack of a better term she has swag i like it she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to try too hard i think she just has natural swag so if she's healthy continues that that swag that she brings to the court i'm all for uh muhova a, a, a surgence even far to the rankings and grand slam success
0: let's talk about keys and then pagula so keys first um obviously <laughs> i do have a soft spot for madison keys she was so close i don't think i think she's she was obviously gutted about what happened after losing in that semi-final but she didn't do anything really wrong she kept she she competed with the best in the world and nearly won. Uh, and this run kind of came out of nowhere. She's back in the top ten. Um, Is she?
2: Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't I didn't I didn't peep that. Is she like number ten?
0: Nine. Oh. Well, she's nine in the race anyway. Um, I think she's nine in the rankings as well. I'm looking it up now. She's
2: eleven in the rankings. Uh,
0: okay, yeah, she's nine in the race. That's why I've got confused because mm-hmm. I've started paying more attention to the race now. Um. Yeah. So she's. Yeah. She's. She's back. Um. Not back. But she's. I suppose she's kind of back. She's back. Kind of where we know her level can be. Uh. And. You know. She's. She's put in a couple of good results. Quarters at Wimbledon. Semis here. Um. Apart from. I mean, even the way it ended, it was tough. Mm -hmm. But she still has to be overall positive about this U.S. Open, surely.
2: Yes. In her press conference, she said there's plenty or a lot to be positive about. I just don't think that the performance and the loss, the way it happened to Sabalenka, moves the needle forward that much in terms of me looking at where else Madison Keys can go in her career. Because that was some of the best tennis she's played, literally against the now number one player in the world. And she still didn't walk up to the net as the champion. So it makes me think, well... What else can she possibly do? Like the game is great. The, the game is great. I just think it's a little bit between the ears because if you watched her, if you watched her play, I, I, I think in general the tennis format for how good Madison keys looks, the tennis format of there not being a clock and there always being a potential for your opponent to come back is not advantageous for Madison keys. I just don't know if she relishes the time to be a closer The best tennis players in the world are like always thinking about closing and using opportunities. Even if they don't use the first opportunity to close out a match, the best in the world can can get a second opportunity and make a second opportunity for themselves and close it out. And Madison Keys just isn't the best at that. And I'm not sure if that's ever going to culminate into the Grand Slam success and trophy that she wants. I'd like to see it, but... Moments like uh, against Sabalenka make me weary that it's maybe never going to happen. I know that sounds harsh, but you have to look at the fact that she's 20. She'll be 29 next season, which is nowhere near old in tennis these days. But she has a lot of tennis played under her belt. And that kind of baggage that she just poured more, you know, stuff into with this loss of Sabalenka. It makes me question if she's, you know, going to get that one shining day in the sun that she's looking for. She's always been a bit up and down. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I could see a scenario where Madison Keys has the tournament of her life and wins it. I could see it happening. Um, how likely is it, given how strong the opposition is, and given so if she hit a bit of a wall when she came up against it, and can she really grit it out against them? Uh, that's the question, but only she can answer that. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't know where, when it would happen or how, probably the U.S. Open. Uh, most likely that seems to be where she's most comfortable.
2: But let I think there'll always be a wall for her. It just depends on what she does when she's faced with that wall in big moments. And,
0: and maybe one day she goes, that's it, no more wall, and smashes through it. She's like, no, not again. She could do it. Um, all right. You want to talk about Jessica Bagula. Get, get whatever you have to say off your chest, Miles.
2: I don't think she's a bad player at all. I think she's actually a really good player. But I am choosing to take myself out of the race of Pagoula and Grand Slam success. I don't think that she, at the current way that she approaches it, I'm not sure if she's ever going to have the extra ante in moments where it really matters to to lift the Grand Slam trophy. Be- how, no matter how good she is, no matter how consistent she is, I've watched enough performances of hers now in slams that makes me believe that's just not the kind of player she'll be. She doesn't rise to the occasion. She brings that same level pretty much match in, match out. And if that, if that level doesn't really shine in that match, she's susceptible to be beaten by a lot of different players. Normally she's not. But in 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 positions where there's a lot on the line and players have extra motivation to to win for prize money, ranking points, or just general uh, success, I don't see enough elevation in her game to make me believe that she's going to to do that to lift the Grand Slam championship. And I think that's what the best in the world do. They see an opportunity. You know, there's all kind of stuff about like you know taking it match by match and all that stuff. But the best in the world see themselves putting their hands on their trophy and elevate their games to make sure they can do that. And I just don't see that elevation after watching her Grand Slam matches for the past two seasons. I haven't seen much of it at all, if any.
0: I mean, here's what I would say. Um, first of all, Pagula's lost to Keys, First of all, in retrospect, looks very good because Keys was damn close to reaching the final. Um, uh, but secondly, she had a bad day. Like I was watching, I was going, the level of consistency isn't there. And I I couldn't find a reason for it. Mentally, didn't make sense to me. Um, I wondered whether she ran of gas a bit, but because um, I think in the doubles match that followed, Coco did a lot of the work. Um, but the I, I I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Um, but I I think it was a she didn't flunk it this time. I think she she just hit a wall um some kind of physical wall um and uh in that match against Keys who then came close to uh, the final against the number 1 in the world so she was she was playing against someone who was showing a good level and she always gets beaten by someone who's showing a good level i agree with you about the consistency thing of she always brings the same level each time and it depends on the day and the opponent whether that level's good enough if she's playing someone who's having a great time um then yeah she's not going to uh, she's going to struggle to win that match but i would say canada gives her a little bit of hope given the way she handled that one i mean she she beat goff and she beat viantek in two very scrappy matches um there is a it just showed a scenario where things could fall into place for
2: her but it I, that canada win in montreal a lot of things fell into her way like yes she had to do the work to beat sviatec And yes, she had to do the work to be Coco. But I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. I still think there's a scenario in which the weather doesn't play as much of a factor, and scheduling doesn't that scheduling doesn't play as much of a factor as it did that Samsonova beats Pagula in that final. If all things are even and Samsonova revs up her game to get the best out of uh, the opportunity, I think she can beat Pagula in that in that since in that uh, Montreal final. It's just that all of those things were going against Samsonova, and Pagula keeps the level that she normally has, and that results in a win. But now we've had just this season every single slam that. Gula has played and lost in, she's either not shown up to the occasion and I would say that she's done that against Azarenka in Australia and Madison Keys. Like Those players played well, but she also just kind of the, the consistent level that she shows week in, week out was, was lower than it should have been, which makes me wonder of all the times in the year for your level to dip, why does it consistently happen at the biggest tournaments in the world or she shows up plays well like she did against von druseva but can't close it out because she's not used to winning these types of matches so there's a Although
0: lot of the von Drusova win she lost a lot of momentum
2: Jeez, after that, the roof right. closed yeah yeah but I, all of that falls under the category of not being there that often like if if you're already contemplating like well this is the quarterfinal i've been to like seven seven of them already now the roof is closing this player is peeking against me i can imagine all of that kind of going through her mind and kind of hindering her best performance so i i just i'm i'm not anti jessica pagula i don't think she she doesn't rub me the wrong way in any way and i don't want to come off harsh i just don't see a grand slam trophy lifting performance in her future and mm. i think i have a feeling that although she's competitive, I feel like she'd be able to lay her head on her pillow at night. Uh, if, she, if she stopped tomorrow, I feel like she'd be, you know, fairly confident with her career. Just because it's a great career, you, you know, two 1,000 titles
0: is fantastic uh, to get. Like those those are some of the biggest titles you can win in tennis. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we can, we can say that, anyone who has been top 10 consist as consistent as Jessica Pagula and has won the titles that she has, has had a bad career um, at all. So, yeah, I think we we could agree on that point. And I think what you, I think I've kind of decided, and um, I'm going to do a little bit of a selfish plug here. I've just released a piece on popcorn tennis. Um, basically I will not write any player off anymore. Um, no player,
2: not a player on the tour.
0: Uh, maybe that's an exaggeration, <laughs> but I if but look, here's what I say: like we've had enough players prove us wrong before. There you mm-hmm. go. That's it, not an expert. Um, go what? Go have a read of it. Um, where basically I'm saying that I'm I don't agree with. Uh, the, I think we've we've been proved enough wrong enough times with uh, von Truschafer. We wrote her, so many people wrote her off from ever winning a slam. Coco Goff, we were like, oh, that four there were so many people going, oh, that forehands are gonna get fixed so quickly. Oh, she's just won the US Open. Um, you know, I I'm of the I'm of the view that I don't know enough about tennis to definitively say a player's never gonna break through and is never gonna perform level. Like Jenna Ostapenko won Roland Garros and in 2017. She had the two weeks of her life. She hasn't produced a consistent enough level since to to back to do that again. But she did it once, and that's what matters. So yeah, I think that's, that's, I think that's the, the beauty of sports. This conversation with
2: that's the beauty of sports and specifically tennis. Like, there's as much as you can do the analysis, you can do that until you're blue in the face and red in the cheeks. Um the the players that you think have an overwhelming percentage of winning still have to go out there and face somebody else who wants to win and is competitive. So there's always a chance that something crazy can happen specifically in tennis where um conditions matter confidence matters the the mental uh approach and uh tactics that you have all of that matters and then matchups matter too so if you get a draw where the player across the net from you matches up to you pretty well seven times in a row boom you're a grand slam champion Irregardless of what your ranking is or your confidence was before that, it could just fall your way, you know. So I think that's the beautiful thing about this sport. And I, I, I do, I, I, see what you mean because as much as you and I like watch tennis, literally weekly. Ha, hello, WTA weekly. <laughs> <laughs> strange things still happen. Haven't we had like three lucky losers, although on a smaller scale? Haven't we had like three lucky losers just this season win WTA titles? Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, Sabes, Tormo in Cleveland just a couple weeks ago. Uh, who else was it? Oh, there's a couple of us I know.
0: Who you talking about?
2: Did No Habino win one? No. Yes, she did. Now Habino won Prague over Uh, Noskova, mm. who was the hometown favorite. I believe she was the lucky loser. And there's someone else. There was, was someone I,
0: think, else. I can't remember for the of who it was. I think
2: there was someone at the more of the beginning of the season. I believe. I uh, oh, was yeah. it no? I think it was on clay. I think it was on clay. Bronze, yeah. Bronzetti. <laughs> no. no, no, I may have made that up
0: yeah but we know we're running away. Yeah, like, yeah yeah 250 still counting. they're very competitive at that level mm-hmm.
1: um with the lucky landslides, you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So
0: yes, and and what you're articulating there is of the same view that that that's the beauty of sport, right? Um. So that's why I'm basically saying though like, is I I'm just I don't feel comfortable saying it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Is, I will maybe say something like, "Is it likely?" Mm. But um then again, hey, who knows? But there's you know Pagula's got uh, got had the level in her to beat the best players in the world. She's now beaten Shviontek. Um has she got a win over Sabalenka?
2: Who who is that? Pagula. Yeah, I think she has a Sabalenka yeah. win. Oh, my quick research found that it was Maria Timafiva. Timafiva, yes. Yes, who won Budapest right after Wimbledon as a lucky loser. Mm. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, we had they were all really close together. Like the the Yeah, um, Budapest, Buda- Budapest, Prague, and Cleveland all kind of happened within weeks of each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um roll on absolute crazy next few weeks, which we'll get to in a minute. Um gonna try and wrap this up um after an hour. But um let's I think there's one story from the tournament. Uh, there's one player I want to mention from the tournament.
2: I wonder um, who that is. Sorry, what? I wonder who that is. I'm genuinely curious.
0: <laughs> I, it's not hard to figure out, but also I'm oh. doing it for um, uh, Fakiha because I know she, she, she always asks about this player every time she comes and joins us. Iga <laughs> The new world number two.
2: Groundbreaking. I had no idea you were going to say her name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, she's now no longer the best in the world, um, officially. Um, yeah, she no longer has that number one ranking next to her name uh yeah she this is an interesting place where uh, after a player loses the ranking that's a uh, that they have to almost feel like they have to go again um it was a bad day against a bad matchup that took her out the tournament um really um ostapenko did Ostapenko things I think that's my that's my summary of that match mm-hmm. um, yeah but I know that i would struggle to give an an objective view of ego going forward
2: um what would you say miles i think the only reason that most would kind of be down on Swiatek is if they have the lens of comparison comparing her 2022 season to her 2023 season but Mm -hmm. if you look at it from my lens yes she's number two in the world and she didn't defend one of the uh, two grand slam championships she won last year but she also lifted four titles in in totality of the season and that's some players sakuri don't even have four wta titles in their career pagula doesn't even have four wta titles in her career you know so to win four in a season especially off the heels of the first season where you touch world number one and don't lose it until a year a year plus later later I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm nowhere near like losing stock over her. I'm not making her, I should, I'm not doing anything to make her feel ashamed of her season. There's still room in the season for her to, you know, win a 1000 and win the WTA finals. And honestly, I think there's still room for her to get back to world number one in this season, I believe, if things shake out her way. So I don't, I, I, in some ways, I think she can like reset and maybe like really take a deep breath and realize that she did something incredible and that I can't think any other player has done, where the number one ranking kind of sort of fell into her lap and she took it and ran with it and never let it go for over over a year. And I think she deserves credit for that. But it it certainly makes things interesting now because for a while there, people thought like it was the Eagles Biatex show and everybody was trying to catch up, which I'm glad. She did that because it, it it officially gave players something to chase, and now look where we are: the yeah. top four players in the world all have Grand Slam championships. And I'm not crediting that just to Swiatek, but the figurehead of somebody dominating something makes you want to work that hard and gives you a realistic goal of what you need to put in to beat them and get to where they are. And I think the game is better for it. So Iga Swiatek, Sabalenka, Rubakina, Coco. All playing and competing for who's going to be officially, you know, the best in the world. I, I'm, I'm here for that story all day long.
0: Yeah, and do you know what? So am I. So am I. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's been interesting seeing what she's done, but it's going to be nice seeing some real competitive rivalries. I've enjoyed the Sviantek Sabalenka battles they've had. Yeah. Um, to be honest. Uh, and. Yeah, we know that trendsetters raise the level of everyone else. You're absolutely right. So I think Svantec is young enough her career to go away, figure out what she needs to do to get the number one back. And, um, and there's different things she can do um, that she's we always see she's working on um, game-wise, like introducing a slice, a drop shot, um, beefing up the server a little bit. Um, all things that she knows that she needs to develop, but she needs to develop with someone who knows what they're talking about and not, um, two people like us who've never <laughs> tried it before. Um,
2: but, um, it's exciting and- too, because there's still peers in her age group. Like I would just, I just took a quick scroll down the ranking, like Jing Ken Wen, who's 20 years old. It's, we got 22. Like that could be a potential rivalry that gives us some different layers of the WTA. Podopova. I kind of just threw that one out there. Sorry. um, Eager Goff. I mean Ega Goff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, be yeah, yeah. Yeah, battle. Yeah, Peyton Stearns, a young, an- another young American who had a great US Open. She's 21. Like you never know how these players that are all in that 21, 22, 23 range are going to develop in the next couple, couple of years and Now, based on what we've seen in this decade, Iga Swiatek has shown that there is some level of consistency and kind of how to formulate that into uh, a tour that that leans off of one person uh, lifting the mantle. So I'm excited to see what the peers around Swiatek do, and I'm excited to see how she responds to that, because if there's one knock, I can't really say it's a knock on Swiatek, but there's been a couple of performances of hers where it feels like. Her opponent gives her a couple of good jabs and she uh kind of dwindles away. And I don't I don't see fight until the last point mentality. Like do you remember that do you remember that match? I hope you do, um against Rabakana in Australia, the fourth yes. round. Well, i, I no,
0: I, I didn't see it.
2: If look, I mean it's kind of hard to sum up an entire match in one point, but that match point is kind of how I feel about Suyatek's level of fight she didn't even go for the ball in that last point of the match. And somebody like Carlos Alcarez, for example, I know this is WTA Weekly, but I think somebody said Carlos Alcarez literally dived for the ball on Would the last point of the match against
0: Nevedel. And she's done those kind of fight. She has fought to the end before. If you think about the Mook of a comeback in Real and Gauss mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Benchich win at Wimbledon, I think those are the two obvious ones that come to my mind where she did fight. She... Couldn't quite pull off the comeback against Fertelina at Wimbledon. Maybe it was just too much back to back for most players. It would be um, so. There's think, still yeah, as much as as much as those two like she, matches that you mentioned. How many points she have to save against, she, she saved against Goff before Goff put her away in, in Cincinnati. A
2: five, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's evidence to show that she's definitely not some. Pushover, but I think there's just enough evidence to show me that it's still something she can improve on. Like that loss against Rabbacina in Australia. I think the didn't she lose to Rabbacina again in in Indian Wells as well? She did. Yes. That was that wasn't necessarily her best fighting performance, and I know she was kind of dealing with a a rib injury or something that made her pull out of Miami. This Ostapenko loss, she didn't really have a lot of fight in her once Ostapenko put a stranglehold over that match. Um, Even maybe Pagula in the in montreal a little bit there's as much as i agree there's evidence that she just she's not like a player that just completely crumbles and has no idea how to fight i just think that if i'm if i'm giving like attributes and stars next to her skills the forehand backhand all of that gets more stars than her uh tenacity i guess you can say and it's just something you work on from being in those positions you know I think I've we'll agreed to disagree,
0: agree, disagree on this one, but uh, I actually I think I wrote something else on Popcorn about actually, because I used to think the same thing about eager, and then I looked at the matches that she's she's won, and actually the, the kind of capitulations are actually the minority of cases. Mm. Um, That's fair enough. So, but I, I do see what you mean. It does happen sometimes, just maybe not as much as I thought at one point. Um, so there's that. Okay, eager show's done. Um, any other stories from the U.S. Open that you want to make sure we cover before we wrap up?
2: I'm trying to see if anybody made like a very uh, like first time into the second week of a major. Well, uh, we mentioned her very briefly, or I did. Uh, Jing Wen got to her first Grand Slam quarterfinal. It, 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 she didn't really put up a great fight against Sabalenka, but I think that is a very good step in the right direction. And I'm interested to see how her presence amongst the top 20 in the world now i believe yeah she's top 20 now yeah I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that uh well, she's 22 right now in the world but you know 20 t- top 25 yeah, she, to she's what... very, i think she'll get top 20 soon again race should help yeah her. I'm, I'm interested to see what that does uh actually how we... she does in asia could be interesting yes 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 also how somebody that's done pretty good in Asia in their career Caroline Wozniacki who made the fourth round of the U.S. Open in her first time playing it since 2019 so I think I did not think that was going to happen I didn't even think Wozniacki was
0: going to come back
2: (laughs) (laughs) right 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 it did seem like she was completely content I mean literally she had a baby I think her 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 youngest baby is 10 months old which is insane like That's the equal amount of time about that. It took to carry the child to term, you know? So that's crazy, but you know, I'm not mad that she's back in the mix and I really do see a look of, um, I'm not quite done yet. I'm not saying that she's going to get, She could get back into the top 10, because I don't think her cracking the top 10 is something that's so far off. I don't know if she'll get back to world number one, because that takes a little bit more consistency. But her making a Grand Slam semi or something again is definitely not outside of the range of of happening, nor is somebody she beat to get to the fourth round. I'm just kind of naming names. I looked through the draw of people I was impressed with. Jennifer Brady. Yes. If Jennifer Brady uh, can depend on her body, and find confidence and string matches together i would not be mad if she you know plays a little bit more on the 250 500 level and kind of prioritizes that but just in the five or so weeks that she's been back she's made an impact and you don't have the kind of firepower that she has the kind of serve top spin that she has and just it goes it just goes to waste so if if she if she continues on a good trajectory, interested to see how her name plays into the top of women's tennis. Cause she has the tools for sure. Yeah. I'm excited about that one.
0: I think you've kind of covered the big stories from the U S open there in one, in one hit. Um, I'm definitely excited to see what, what Vosniacki and Brady do, um, in the future in their comebacks. I really hope they're contenders because I want as many contenders as possible, because it wouldn't be the WTA if you didn't have that. Um, so they are, uh, yeah, I, I would be well up for seeing them get some great success under their belt. And Fosniaka came back at, at a level that she was beating really, really good players straight away. So there's, you know, top 10 is optimistic, but I think there's valid reason to be optimistic. Agreed, yeah. um, I, I. So yeah, so I think um, one more question about the US Open, and then I want to talk
2: about the the tournaments we've got coming up, briefly. Oh, it never ends. We're on a we're on a complete hamster wheel in this sport. But yes, yeah. just... um, <laughs> going back
0: to our winner, Coco Goth. Mm-hmm. Is the hype justified? The hype that, that, she received? The of, hype that, that she... now she's now she's at the top of the game. Mm-hmm. This is where she stays, and she's going to compete like in a short term.
2: Yes, the fact that she's in the top. Four in the world and she has wins over everybody relatively recently around her makes me believe that she should have the confidence to continue what she's doing you never know there's different variables about health and uh, confidence and stuff that does ebb and flow in tennis but a grand slam trophy under her belt a 1,500 Four titles in one season, number three in the world, a win over the number one in the world a couple couple weeks ago, which was kind of her litmus test as to how much she's actually improving. Hype hype justified. From 2019 beating Venus Williams uh, in the first round to now, every bit of that hype was justified in my eyes. It didn't just come out of nowhere. I feel like people that watch tennis, love tennis, even just for the stories and as much for the X's and O's of it all, saw a lot in Cocoa Golf and we're justified in seeing a lot in Cocoa Golf. Yeah.
0: For me too, I agree. I think uh, the way that she won has, and the way that she's dominated the last few weeks has made me think, yeah, she, she's here to stay. She is um, a favourite at every single
2: major. Nothing, I think sports, not even tennis, sports is better if she's staying around the top of women's tennis. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, so We've got two tournaments going on at the same time, a 250 and a 500. Um, It's a weird time in the tennis because we have a 1,000 starting a week today, which I cannot (laughs) believe. I mean, it's not like in the days when we had Tokyo, which was a tier one tournament back in Mm -hmm. the 20 years ago, that started the day after the Australian Open, which seemed like madness to me now. I enjoyed that tournament. um, Although, wasn't it Martina Hingis dominated? Um, Davenport, Hinga, Sharapova—I think all of them have some titles there. Um, but anyway, this is this is not 2003. Um, this is 2023. Uh, we are uh, so, so we are in two different directions We're kind of building to
2: the agent to swing.
0: Guadalajara, which means mm-hmm. it's WTA 500 in San Diego, which mm-hmm. Vunch is covering for us. Yay! On the ground, so I'm excited to talk to him about that when he gets back. Um and I'm looking to see what kind of content he sends our way, um, and that's kind of the bigger tournament. That's the one I'm super excited for. Um, uh, I haven't checked to see what the order of play is, but like um, Layla Fernandez had Admire, I just saw as a first round draw. And I was like, yes, please, I will watch <laughs> that if it's on at a time that I can actually watch it.
2: It's a stacked 500 draw. Anjoubor's top seed, Caroline it's Garcia, a is number 500 two. Draw. <laughs> yeah, I know, and everybody. I, I've, I think the players that showed up to play this one are all players that m- maybe have not had absolutely awful seasons, but could definitely do with lifting a trophy. And Caroline Garcia is one of them. Barbara Krejčíková was one of them. And obviously Maria Sakari, number three seed, is one of them. Like all of them need match play to kind of right the ship of what the past six months or so has looked like for them. So, I mean, you know, there's opportunities for those players. Um, there's also opportunities for uh young some American names who all seem to be in either the very top or the very bottom of the draw <laughs> because there's yeah. Alicia Parks, there's Alicia Parks and Sophia Kennon um a qualifier, Claire V and who got a, a wild card into the US Open. Uh and then also at the bottom of the draw there's Sloan Stevens and Danielle Collins. All of these players are unseated. And you know, playing in playing in your home soil playing on your home soil does something for a lot of different players. So yeah. A lot to watch in that San Diego tournament.
0: Um, did you watch it last year? I think I remember it being quite good last year.
2: Uh, how, you, it. How, do you, how do you not remember that in Swiatek won it? Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, uh, because I'm not that kind of fan
2: who just talks about that all the time. Um, <laughs> if my favorite player I'm had a season it. like Swiatek did last year, you would not get me to shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I still talk about Serena's 2013 season. It was literally a decade ago. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be really, I enjoy a stacked WTA 500. I think it's going to be it's a lot of fun to watch, uh, when I can watch it. Cause obviously time zones, rubbish for me. Um, I've actually gone out on a limb and predicted Beatrice had admire to win it.
2: I wouldn't be mad at that. That's a name I looked over, but it has had a good season in her own right as well. So,
0: yeah. Okay. And that, the other,
2: go on, sorry. Yeah. No, th- then that first round match you mentioned against Leila Fernandez is something I'd watch as well. So
0: yeah. I mean I hope Fernandez wins it, but um I'm Fingers not sure. What, and like I this is one of those things like I want either Fernandez to win or to her to lose to the eventual tournament champion. I think that's where I'm kind of at. <laughs> 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 like you've got to be you've got to be good to beat Leila Fernandez. Um and then the other tournament happening is two fifty in Osaka, mm-hmm. um, which is currently being rained off um but we had a question in the chat from uh Fakiha, actually um who um was asking do the asian hard courts tend to play slow or fast and actually i didn't know the answer to that, so i was wondering if i could draw on your tennis memory
2: i think it ranges honestly because for in in terms of asian tennis the last one I remember is Shenzhen, the WTA finals that Ash Barty won in 2019. That was not a quick court. But then my mind goes to like what you were just saying. I mean, it was, it was the Tokyo is not in China, but in, the question was about Asia, right? Not yeah, just it's in Japan as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, what did I say? You said China. Oh, <laughs> We said Tokyo's
0: not in China. I
2: was like, I'm did in you the- think Osaka was in China? <laughs> <laughs> I meant Osaka's in Japan. Yes, those those who know me know geography is not necessarily my strong suit, but I did get an A in it in middle school. Um, I think they play almost kind of like American hard courts, actually. They vary depending on what the surface is made out of. I've seen them play quickly, and I've seen them play uh, pretty slow as well. So,
1: Okay. Just so, it it
0: varies like you would expect, like in America, like anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that answers your question. So Asaka, um, very sort of the uh, the highest seed there is uh Xu Lin, mm-hmm. um, who's just outside the top 30. Um so uh, I'm not expecting there to be uh it to be super um exciting. There might be a few good stories coming out of it. Maybe we'll get a surprise winner somewhere. Um I think. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, that one's going to be even harder for me to watch because most of that's definitely during the night for me.
2: Yeah, there aren't any super standout names in the draw. I mean, Tatiana Marie is the number two seed. We already mentioned Julene. Uh, yeah, not too much that jumps off of the draw. It's like, hey, you should watch this because of X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, just, you know, I, I expect somebody to work that draw and what i like about 250s i like when somebody that's never won a wta title wins a 250. i don't know why that i enjoy that so much but that it's like most times when that happens i expect them to be like well hey i won a 250 which is the lower lowest tier of the official wta tour kind of revs you up to try again and try for a 500 or try for the second week of a major i I like that storyline so yeah,
0: and given you know, that I think it shows that if you win a two fifty, you definitely belong in the top one hundred at least. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think the especially depending on the two fifty. So, and and it's always produced a great story because often a lot of these players are the ones who've really gritted their way through their careers. Yeah, uh, as well. Play or it's just light.
2: starting for them, or or they got a wild card, or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just you know uh, beginning to burn burn bright for them. So yeah, I think right. two fifties yeah depending on their age yeah 250s are definitely for uh mostly for the niche fans that watch weekly and you definitely can pick up some storylines from them so i'm looking forward to talk
0: about all those storylines on the next wta weekly um i think i am have to wrap this up here because i have to get off to something else but thank you so much for coming on miles um it's always an absolute pleasure talking tennis with you um i really enjoy your enthusiasm um and now i've seen your most enthusiastic side um for all to see and remember on social media. Um so yeah, thanks for coming on. I think we've both enjoyed our US opens. Uh great having you on.
2: Thanks, Nick. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks, John, for allowing me the space on talking tennis. And can't wait to do this again. Always fun. I'm
0: looking forward to the next time we do it again. So tune in, like, subscribe if you're new. I think we've had some new names in the chat, which is great to see. Um stay tuned for ATP Weekly, which is coming later. And um, come join us next week where we'll be talking about what the storylines that did emerge from San Diego and Osaka were. But until then, keep talking tennis. Cheers.
3: This is not a drill. I repeat, this is not a drill. Turn your speakers and earphones down just a little bit as we are reminded of the final seconds of the US Open women's final on Saturday.
2: US Open champion. That's what I'm talking about. Oh my God. Look at her. Look at her. Oh. Oh.
1: My God. Oh my God. Get up, go, go, go. You just won the US Open.
3: If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button, don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell
1: so you don't miss out on all things tennis.